Well, hello, everybody. I'm glad to be here. I've got a very special guest and friend and survivor sister, Maureen Rule. And she's an author. She's written a book called Frozen Tears. And we did an interview a while back, earlier this winter, and on my show. But now we're doing another interview to really discuss how this book actually opens the conversation, starts the conversation, what a great tool it is um, to help children who have been sexually abused. And Maureen's going to go into real depth and just describe how this book really works to get that conversation started. And so I'm really glad to be here today. Uh, Maureen Rule is a survivor sister like me. We're both survivors of child sexual abuse. And although the, that's why we're doing this work, um, because the topic of child sexual abuse for so long was pushed under the carpet. Nobody wanted to talk about it. Nobody wanted to deal with it. <clears throat> Very uncomfortable topic. And so over the years, there's been a whole lot more progress being made. And, you know, it's coming to the forefront. We do need to talk about this. It's very important. So um, I'm glad to be here. Glad to be able to be a part of this with Maureen. I'm very thankful to Maureen for coming on to do this interview with us with AU4H Radio. And um, Maureen is actually a, a friend of AU4H, Advocates United for Humanity. She does a lot of volunteering uh, for us. And... She's just been a huge support. And so we also like to support what she's doing in her work. So it's great to have you here, Maureen. Thank you. I, I, I appreciate your uh, emphasis on how important the work is, how important it is to talk about it. And I guess as a survivor, that was my real motivator. I was so tired of people saying, Oh, I just can't talk about a subject that disheartening. It breaks my heart, you know, and it's like, well, yes, it breaks your heart. It, it's horrible, but we need to talk about it. We need to give these kids a chance to heal. And that wasn't available. I'm sure for you, it certainly wasn't available for me. And that's one of the reasons I was motivated to write the book. So the book is frozen tears because that, and it's a nice cream cone showing how precious the human body is and how delicate and then a, co a cone that uh, represents a fra also the fragility of a child um, in a as adults we forget that we were once children and we forget about our frailty and um, it's important to remember that we cannot we're not asking children to process this uh, very complex problem as an adult. We're asking them to process it as a child. And whether this is a child of three or four or five or eight years old, or whether this is a child who's uh, 60 years old, but still dealing with their inner child, their broken spirit, this book is for, to, for all of them. Uh, it opens up, first of all, with pictures of kids laughing, smiling, the idyllic mom and the kids. And this is really affects anybody. You don't know the prosperity of these kids. You don't know if they live in an apartment building in the middle of, of uh, the city square, a high rise apartment, or if they live in a typical house with a white picket fence. It doesn't matter. Sexual abuse happens to everyone. Right. Again, it's full of kids. 
kids, kids, kids. This is what the book was made and written about. I would hope that the book is used with a therapist in a clinical setting or a police, uh, policeman, nurse, uh, rabbi, pastor. Yeah. It it should be, it. Going to be working with that with the with that child. With the child. A professional, um, you know, who's going to actually get that conversation started. Yeah. Yes. That a safe person. That's what we do, you know, a safe person. That's so, right. So because they're gonna be reading this book with the child and the grown-up will take a huge, he takes on a huge responsibility as this child shares their story. And please let's remember that it's a child's story. It's not to be manipulated. Uh, it's not to be uh, made worse than it is or made or made better than it is. T adults tend to do that. This is a situation where we want to really just tell the story in truth mm -hmm. is that my microphone that i hear feedback or um i don't know because i'm not oh. hearing any feedback so okay uh i just don't want it to be difficult <laughs> for it <laughs> for yeah. our cut our audience to hear us or understand and also i'd like to say at this point that Child sexual abuse does take us to the feelings of helplessness. It does take us to the feelings of uh, maybe perhaps wanting to end our lives. Or perhaps it takes us somewhere that we rage and we will drink it to death or try to take pills to you know, swallow pills to make it, the pain go away. The pain doesn't go away without a lot of hard work, a lot of love, a lot of prayer. And this is the reason that the book was written. It's not a magic pill, but once the book is, is used at the end of that, I would hope that the child could maybe set the book up aside for 20 years and then come back and look at it and say, oh, wow, 20 years ago I was here, but today I'm here. And, and they can gauge their success and their healing from that. Perhaps they want to torch it. Perhaps they want to throw it in a burning barrel and burn it. I don't know. But whatever they need to do, the book right. is, is for theirs to do that. Some of the things are building skills. We have, who do you trust? List the types of media which has touched you in your life today. I don't think a lot of parents actually know how much media traffic their children are undertaking. They're in a lot of crossroads and uh, and on the roads of of a lot of uh, I, I social social uh, networking. Mm -hmm. I'm not I'm not well versed. And you all know, Lee, Donna, and you have a front row seat to my inadequacies about sending emails, successful emails. <laughs> so no, you do, you're doing good. <laughs> and uh 
So can you imagine me being left to be on the internet by myself? I'd be so lost. I wouldn't get anywhere. But uh, it allows, when the child answers that question, they might have three or four or eight or 12 different answers. And the parent, guardian, police officer, uh, social worker, they need this information, the detailed information that can only come from the child themselves. Right. Also, what are they learning on these websites? Because I think we think safe websites teach safe things. I don't think that we, we can be that naive. Yeah, that's right. What word describes how you are feeling at this moment? I don't believe that we take enough time to sit down with our children, listen and ask them how they're feeling, how school went. Well, now they don't go to school. Oftentimes they're taught in the home in a lot of situations right now with COVID. Yeah. The, the kids don't even get to leave home and come home and share their day. So they figure that by being in the next room or at the kitchen table with mom, dad, grandma, grandpa, that every they know what's going on on their computer. The child doesn't know that that is unique to them. They just... And, so I think we've lost valuable communication tools that we really need to get back. Mm -hmm. uh, I, in, we need to get to us to our post-COVID world as soon as safely possible. Yeah, I agree. I also remind that children that they were created out of purest love. A lot of kid, people don't think that they were formed out of love. They think they were formed out of chaos. And I think that we have to remind ourselves that take it back, take all the chaos away, all the anger, the the ridicule, the whatever the adults may be feeling or going through, take that away because your child was conceived and brought into the world in a a, a safe environment and a loving environment. And then that poses a question, what does love look like to you? So, and they can draw the answers, they can write some answers, they can do whatever they want on this page. Mm -hmm. Most of the pages are like this. Children. That's awesome. Children look up to adults. I mean, obviously, because of small stature, they're four foot high, we're six foot high. But they look up to us because they they hope, they think <laughs> that we know what we're, we're doing. We've got it. You know, we've secured the future. We're living our dreams. Uh, but it may, I, one of the things that I think really children need to understand with this book is that they're allowed to feel what they're feeling at that moment. It's okay, even if it's good, bad, or ugly. Mm -hmm. A lot of times we miss that. We get too clinical and uh, we ask good questions, but we don't answer sometimes, ask sometimes the right questions. And children will pick up on that and they will answer what they think the adult wants to hear. Mm -hmm. so they hold back so yeah this is more like a coloring book that it's easy to it's not thick at all it's not 
cumbersome. It's not meant to do in one session. It's not meant to do. It has no time limit, no structure. Um, it's whatever the child wants to, how fast and speed that the child has indicated. Has someone asked you to keep a secret? Now that could be very naive. Like don't tell mom and dad that I, I changed the remote, <laughs> you know, or, you know, I changed the password or it could be, but how did that keep by keeping a secret? How did it make that child feel? And the next question is, did keeping that secret make you hurt inside? And uh, I think we all have, have know what hurt feels like. And I think we all need to understand that in a child, hurt is usually manifest as pain. It is in adults too, but adults have some mechanisms that we use to, uh, it doesn't go to pain first, hurt to pain. But as a child, it does, hurt goes to pain. So uh, how keeping this a secret, no matter how important or in, unimportant, in, how did it make the child feel? We're halfway through the book and now we're gonna be talking about more in-depth questions about uh, touching bodies. And I won't go into that too deep, except that what I do is by helping to calm that question down, because it's it will make a child race. That's right. And it's by That's using by using the word boundary. Can you name another type of boundary? And explaining and that the boundary is goes back to the ice cream cone. It's a boundary. And so that's what, what it starts. And it doesn't change the, it doesn't change or devalue the pain that the child's gonna feel when they're talking about the abuse, but it is able to let them have a control, the, one of their first control mechanisms like, oh, I have boundaries. And boundaries are explained in uh, setting limits, uh, because I think that children don't have the grasp on setting a limit to anything, because they're not supposed to. We're, children are supposed to experience everything in joy and love and happiness. This yeah. book is for those children who uh, unfortunately have missed that boat and have mm -hmm. to work their way back and and swim like the to catch the next boat of ha mm -hmm. happiness, hopefulness and happiness. It also goes into, has anyone asked or tried to make you change your boundary? That's a significant part because now we're talking about the imposition of someone onto that child into their intimate self and then the next page is a 
a little girl who's in bed, what is she dreaming? What is she thinking about? What is going on in this picture for the child? What do they see in this picture? Not what we see. Mm -hmm. And please let the child drive the dialogue. As adults, we tend to like want to hurry or push ahead. Please don't, uh, please be genuine when you're using this book to let the child tell their story without embellishment because that mm -hmm. will serve no one well. Then we talk about ice cream. I love ice cream. Oh, I, just <laughs> I, had, do too. I, had, I had some chocolate raspberry. Oh, that was delicious. Um, what flavor of ice cream is, what is your favorite? And and you can hear and why and how. And uh, again, reemphasizing that ice cream in that cone. And as previously stated, it was a boundary. Mm -hmm. Then there's dialogue. Uh, more informational. And this is where the therapist, the professional can pick up on the text and ask more general questions that will delve into that child, exactly where that child is. Mm -hmm. It also introduces saying no. Mm -hmm. Children don't believe they have the right to say no. That's and right. gives them permission to say no, or if they had to say no, under what circumstances were those that they had, you know, what do you mean you had to say no to the next door neighbor? What about what? The child, mm -hmm. that's the first thing a parent's going to say. Well, how dare you tell them no? Listen to the child first before making your set opinion in stone. Because right. there could be something serious going on. And the last thing that the book approaches is what is danger? I don't, I hate it to pick on this topic because danger, I don't want them to be overwhelmed with danger and to be afraid, but we have to understand that danger exists. Mm -hmm. And it can exist in the most safe and loving homes. It can exist in Imper impractical homes, <laughs> dysfunctional homes. But yeah. uh, what does danger look like to you? Then there's a little boy who's sitting on the seashore. And what is he thinking about? What's he processing? What's, what's going on here for that child? And then finally, it finishes out with dialogue that the... Uh, that the professional or medical professional would be in dialogue, leading the, not leading questions, just hearing the child complete, uh, like be happy, be joyful with each step you take. After they're doing this hard work of reliving the abuse, and putting it out there for everybody to see. You have to then take them back that there is danger in the world, but it's not constantly. There is joy and there is happiness for each of us every day. 
And I would recommend that if anyone doesn't feel joy and happiness every day, please seek out help, whether it be through your own blogs, whether it be through support groups, whether it be through uh, a therapist or a social uh, sociologist. I'm not suggesting everybody needs to see a therapist and everybody should be on medication. But I do say that those things work for a majority of people if they give it a full hearted, um, give it your yeah. best shot. And then, of course, it ends with pictures again of children, because uh, obviously the healing of children after such a traumatic experience, there can't be any more important work that I can uh, think of yeah and i hate that i had to write the book i hate that it had that we ha still have in our educated and technologically advanced society that we still have child victims yeah yeah um, it's, it's i i hate it yeah i, I do it. too and but we know it's happening and that's why this this is so important and i think you know, I really love your book and I think it's wonderful. Like I, I'm a survivor of CSA child sexual abuse too. And it was uh, incest. So it was within the family. I never got any help. Um, I basically stuffed it so I could live and just survive. Didn't uh, do anything about my healing journey until the age of 42. But that book would even be helpful for me to go back with my inner children as you know, and and re and redo that work with my inner children. Well, especially the one who was sexually abused, that inner right. year old that I used to be, right? Yeah. And uh, because the so many children actually, sadly enough, don't get help, and we know that some do, obviously, but so many don't, and it's just horrific, right? Um, it's just. I think that's a great book for children. It makes sense to me the way that you've written it and put it together. I, I, when I when you're describing it, I'm thinking of myself as being a child, and actually, because I was abused sexually as a child, the question how I would answer those questions, and you know, really, really well done. I think it's amazing, and because the last thing you want to do is a child who's been victimized and in 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 sexually abused. The last thing you want to do is, is scare them some more. So that book is not, it's, it's not frightening. It's, it's a wonderful book. And I think it really does open the door to get started on that conversation on what happened and get the, get that child to, you know, a, a better place. You know what I mean? Right. Because like we said, the secret, you know, has anybody ever asked you to keep a secret and, you know, a lot more, actually, I'd say many survivors, maybe not all, but many survivors of, of CSA child sexual abuse were told to keep the secret. Maybe their lives were threatened. I know in my case, that was the case. My life was threatened. And, um, and my mother was my main abuser. So I was actually afraid to tell her because I thought she would abuse me because I told her. Right. I was, I was worried that she'd beat me up because I told her that. See, but after the third assault, I did tell her. And she told me it was my problem. I had to deal with it. Yeah, that was, her, that was her answer. So I think she didn't get me any help, and 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 she knew about it. 
So this is a lot of times this sort of stuff is just allowed to go on. It's really sad and tragic. Uh, sometimes it's stranger danger, you know, we know. Uh, sometimes it's a stranger and not someone in the family. But uh, it's almost like what they say the stats were a while back. It's almost 90% or more. Someone the child knows, someone the child has, has someone who's had access to that child, that's abuse, who's abusing those children. And so many times they are told to keep that secret, right? And so I think the book is really well thought out. You did a great job thinking about and creating um, these, these questions and these sentences that allow that child to safely express what, what that was. You know what I mean? I hope so. And, yeah. And it's my hope that the book will not only open the dialogue with, with that child, but open the dialogue as a nation, as a world, that we can all begin to focus on the end result is everyone gets through their difficult journey and gets back to wellness, healing. Mm -hmm that healing is allowed to take place by ignoring healing in any level is a disservice. It's almost inhumane. We surely wouldn't leave an animal in distress. We would get fine care immediately for that uh, animal. Mm -hmm. I have three beagles, you know, I love them to death. And, <laughs> and, and sometimes they even join us. <laughs> <laughs> on podcasts, but uh, cute. I, I cannot imagine that we have empathy for a four-legged pet, but when we talk about two-legged children, it, it becomes, oh, yeah, well, it's just a brush burn. Get up and go. Brush yourself off and go. We have no idea how that brush burn was sustained. Yeah. You know, let's find out. Let's ask the question. And uh, a lot of us, we all I hear a lot is that is such a difficult, you know, subject. How can you begin to talk about it? And I would and I thought, well, we have to begin to talk about it. We have thousands of children parentless at our border in the United States and Mexico. We need mm -hmm. to talk about that. We need to talk about how we can warehouse children and not think twice about it. Um, I'm not getting political. I, I know that there's many levels and I sure couldn't be, uh, I don't have the answers for all the troubles that be, besiege us. No, that's but, the problem. Nobody has the answers, unfortunately. But we need no. to find those answers because these are children's lives we're talking about. These are these are yes human lives. I, this is I, going on around the world, though we know um, uh, sex trafficking. Sad, sad statistics. Villages mm -hmm. Villages of children disappearing. Yeah, yeah. What? But we don't have that on the nightly news because, you know, people don't want to hear about it. We have to massage the news almost to make it palpable so that mm -hmm. people can actually ingest it. Well, I'm sorry, but some we need to have a reality uh, 
check because yeah, life is not palpable. We have car accidents. We have dear dear friends dying of cancer, dying of COVID. We have uh, family members who lost an arm or a leg to cancer. We have mm -hmm. terrible things happening all around us, and we seem to be able to deal with them in stride. But we can't take on the constant sexual abuse or sexual or sexual uh, harassment of a child that we can't handle. Yeah. We need a special agency yeah. for that. <laughs> I don't understand it. I mean, sir, uh, every agency should be in the business of saving children. Every teacher should be in the business of saving a child. Yeah. Uh, I agree with that. And I mean, every citizen, if you see something, say something, please, dear Lord, please say something. Step mm -hmm. up to the plate. Yeah, um, that's right. Because children can't protect themselves. They truly are at the mercy of, you know, whoever's got a hold of them. <laughs> and the issue is, is that's why we need to be looking out for them. And because children, I guess the reason this just sits so hard with me is because I was abused as a child. And I think that, you know, I made it, I survived, but many of them won't. And that's, uh, that's the issue. That's pretty well why I'm always, I never shut up about this. Well, thank goodness. <laughs> Anybody who really knows me, my real friends know that I, I actually really absolutely never, ever give up. I never stop talking about this. And the, because the issue is, is children are dying right now, right? And and when are we going to start caring? You know what I mean? When are we going to start caring? It's um, it's been going on. I mean, for since time began. Yep. Uh, yeah. It's only recent that children that, that anyone's been any remotely concerned about child child rights and the right that a child actually has a right to life, and they have a right to an abuse free life. And so if we don't get this conversation, if we don't keep these conversations going, it gets swept under the carpet. And it's, it's like, oh, society says, great, I'm comfortable now. I don't have to hear about all that horrible stuff. Um, I just think that that's the wrong attitude. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's kind of like, you know, I it just, it breaks my heart. It really does that this stuff is going on. And we, we can't, we're, we can't even begin to, touch the, the tip of the iceberg on the amount of abuse that's happening to children around the world right now. It's right now. Yeah, just this second, and then the next second, and the next second. It's unbelievable. And we need to, people's, uh, you know, societies need to change the way that they feel about children. Children are not sex toys. <laughs> Let's just get that straight. Um, yeah. They're not sex toys. And they're not there for your sexual gratif gratification. They're really not. Um, Children deserve to have a good abuse-free life. And, you know, they deserve to be to be taken care of, nurtured, you know, fed and clothed and their needs met, right? And it's just so tragic what's going on. And that's what you, you, your book, even in that sense, Frozen Tears, even in that sense, although it's really meant for it's a recovery tool and to start the conversation, but just because it's out there. It's just one more, one more, you know, way for people to see that this is still going on. 
And there's more and more victims all the time of CSA child sexual abuse. And it's tragic. It's absolutely tragic. I know. I think that people have a choice that to ignore child sexual abuse or, and I don't think that there is, we have a choice anymore. It's become so rampant and so in our face and with the technology, we can, we know in our hearts what the numbers are. We know that it's growing, it's out of control and we have a job to do. And now it's time to do the job at hand. Mm -hmm. I know we have many, many problems in this world. But that's adults. For the most part, we're children don't really care about uh, $15 an hour minimum wage. <laughs> they shouldn't. Um, that's a discussion we need to have, but the discussion that we also need to have is our children's welfare, their dignity, helping them to be the best person they can, mm -hmm. and having opportunities with strings attached is not an opportunity. That's right. And it's just, yeah, this is just it. And I just think, you know, what you had said earlier, Maureen, about, you know, many children who survive child sexual abuse and actually live through it and, you know, start living their lives. Many of them can't cope and, you know, end up doing drugs or alcohol, trying to numb that pain, trying to make that those memories go away and, you know, end up harming themselves, end up harming other people sometimes. And yeah, some of them end up taking their lives. That's where I was, you know, so many years right. ago. And, you know, I'm glad to be here today because, you know, I didn't, I didn't follow through with my plans for years of taking my own life. And it wasn't, you know, until the age of 42 that I actually started to get help. But I had gotten off the drugs at a young age, which was smart. But the thing is, is that so many don't. And right. they're lonely, right. you know, they've started out. No child should, no, I'm, you know, this is what breaks my heart. You know, children are innocent. They really are. And they're people, people don't, I guess so many people just don't appreciate children. I don't have children because I've made this baby barren by the CSA child sexual abuse that I suffered. So I can't have children. So I never had children. But the thing is, is I mean, I don't, people just look at children like they're just eh, like nothing, like whatever. The issue is, is that's a living human being who is completely vulnerable and completely relying on those around them in their family unit, whoever that is, you know, whoever's, whoever's raising that child um, in their, in their school age years, the teachers, the, the school counselors and coaches, that child is counting on those people to do the right thing by them. That child yes, is and, yeah. I mean, and doing the right thing isn't doing the right thing isn't just getting them into the best college and university or trade school, and wait, those are all important. But if they are not getting three squares a day, if they come to school with black and blue marks that are visible, 
if they're complaining of aches and pains that are not normal, that other children are suffering aches and pains, if they say, uh, say things in class in front of other classmates that are inappropriate, it's coming from somewhere. Mm -hmm. And it's, and I know that it puts an additional burden on teachers and that they have a, a, a very difficult job now. And I'm, right. I'm not saying that's, that's why true. I'm saying that citizens, every one of us is responsible for mm -hmm. the child to maintain a health, for a child to be able to be know, know that you're safe enough that they could confide in you or if not confide in you, get, get them a resource that they can confide in. And if people are already in those positions, it's part of their job already. Mm -hmm. um, but it's not a blame game. I know a 14 year old came up to me one day and said, I'm pregnant. And I said, what? How old are you? I'm 14. I said, oh, when I was 14, I was in the eighth grade and uh, I was dealing with uh Oh, what do you call that when you have group of kids against another group of kids? Like um, gangs? Gang, yeah. And bullying. Then, and, uh, bullying. and, uh, and here you are pregnant. I she said, yeah, because I want to be able to have someone that I can love and that I can do this with and that with. I said, well, you already have an agenda for that child. Um, what's the agenda for you? <laughs> what are you going to do to pre to provide for this child? And they just look at, she looked at me like I was dumbstruck or something like no one had even given her that question to think about um, what, okay, you want to provide all this for your, this child, but how are you going to do so? Mm -hmm. That's true. She's still a child, 14 yeah. years old, eighth or ninth yeah. grade. You, I mean, sh they should be work thinking about acne and trying to get on a sports team or trying to get <laughs> in a spelling bee or I don't know, but not pregnancy. Yes, it's a because that's a real challenge. Let me tell you, it's hard enough for 18 year olds and 19 year olds to uh, manage their young families. Um, right. Imagine someone who's 14 who's not even legally allowed to work. You know what I mean? Like, what you gonna, someone's going to have to support them. You know, the and it's hard a 20. It's a 24/7 job. This is not mm -hmm. something you can just pick up and do when you want to. Maybe the family dog. They get a family dog, and the kids all say, "I'll feed it, I'll groom it, I'll take it to the vet, I'll do this, I'll do that," and they make all these promises, and somehow the promises fall through, and it falls on the, the parents to take up. The, the real day-to-day -day feeding and a maintenance of that dog. If they can't even take care of a dog, you know, making sure that the dog is fed and that there's clean water, fresh water available, how in the world are they going to take on a 24-7 child that has colic, is up at night, mm -hmm. uh, may have a serious, because of your the age of the of the parent at 14 years old, perhaps the child is in a high-risk pregnancy. How are they going to handle, you know, then there might be a high-risk delivery. The child mm -hmm. may be at risk. They don't even think about these things. And I well, know that. They're too young. Yeah. I, I know, but 
they're 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 not too young to get pregnant so maybe we oh. have to change our thought process about well explaining i mean these. not all young people like there's i'm sure there's a lot of good young parents out there so this is not to say anything against young parents or you know people people who oh you know, my no you know no. young women who have children at a very early age there's nothing against that the issue is is that it needs to be thought out and it needs to be something that you're prepared to do and you, you have if you're that age you're going to have to have people help you you can't well, do that I, on your own. in um, fact in fact i've met some 14 year olds that were in, in fact very decent parents compared to their parents who maybe were in their 30s i mean <laughs> yeah this uh, is the thing it's, not, age, yeah, it's not an age no, i'm just saying that that there was a that they miss a lot of being a kid and what? why should children give up their childhood to be adults so soon yeah that's right because you have a long time to be an adult right and that's when you're young though you just want to get started you know and i remember being that age being young and thinking i, I knew it all and i was ready for life you know <laughs> it's like uh i don't know why i was in such a hurry because you know once you're an adult you're an adult for a long long time and uh yeah you know, i heard adults tell, you know say stuff like oh slow down you don't want to rush your your youth because you only have it for a short time and I, it kind of went in one ear and out the other sort of thing but the issue is i like your book and i think it really addresses some really important stuff and i think the, when you brought up the topic of um where your book says that uh it, it it allows the child to see maybe for the very first time that they actually do have the right to say no and, we, and, and if they ever did have to say no to somebody, who was it? You know what I mean? And this is the issue because growing up abused myself, I was, I didn't, I didn't know I had the right to say no. My brother had sexually abused me for a year and, you know, rape, uh, violent rape and incest was just horrible. I was eight years old. My mother did nothing to stop it. And so I didn't know I had the right to say no. See? So this really affected me through my early years because then I had a lot of other unwanted sexual touching because I didn't know to say no. I right. thought that I was that, that I was supposed to just allow anybody to do anything they wanted to me. And that's terrible. I didn't I, until I was about getting closer to 13, 12, 13, I really did not know that I could say no, you know. Um, it's so important for parents, you know, if you're a parent out there and you're listening to this, you need to get the information on how to approach this stuff with your child, depending age dependent, how old your children are, and start addressing some of this stuff with them because they do need to know that that the, you know keeping a secret of somebody somebody sexually sexually using them, they need to be able to come to you as the parent or the caregiver with anything, with anything, and they need to be told if someone tells you to keep a secret because they're do you know because it's something that they don't want anybody to know about and it's hurting you, you need to come talk to me. You need to tell me, you know what I mean? Parents, right. caregivers, you know, they need to start this conversation with their children and their care to make sure that, that this, that, that the child is not being abused sexually or in any, any other way um, by anybody around them that has access to that child. It's just so important. So that's a really important part of your book as well. I think that's just really so important and just allowing the child to especially the the page where you're talking about allow that allows the child to express their feelings and and not putting adult themes into it and really allowing that child as 
as they are in the moment to express how they're feeling. I think that's really powerful. And that's, uh, that's another reason I think your book would be helpful for me with my inner child. <laughs> so, because I'm still working through the CSA child sexual abuse stuff. And I, and I'll, I'll be, you know, I've been working through my healing journey for a long time. I've made great progress, but that is an area that I still need to work, do some work in. So, you know, your book's very helpful for, like you said, children, uh, you know, like you were saying, three, four, five, six, you know, all the way up to 60 <laughs> or 70 or 80. I had a 90-year-old wow. lady that, um, uh, and uh, it's great honor to have the positive feedback from the book that I've had. That's a great honor. Um, I know that it, that people that have used it have uh, it helped them through their journey and that's all it's a, it's attempted to do. It doesn't solve anything at the end of the book. You don't become magically healed, completely healed. Cause that, like you said, is a journey that we're on for a lifetime. Mm -hmm. I, I myself, uh, I'm at a much better place, but it, but, um, I, I want to say, I'm sorry for what your abuse that you had to go through and that you had a mother who was unable to to help. Um, I I know my own mother was a loving, caring woman, but she didn't always have the resources for certain things. I don't know all of her past. Um, and uh, my dad had some interesting childhood things when he was growing up, which I only learned of later. So we can't assume that. Uh, I guess the first instinct is why aren't these people helping me? You know, mm -hmm. they're, they're supposed to help me, but the sad truth in my situation was that they didn't have the energy to, to fight anymore. They had had one battles of their own in some cases and lost some battles of their mm -hmm. own. And I can love them enough now to, not make an excuse, but to understand that they were not in a position to help me. And mm -hmm. that would, and that's okay. It, it's okay. It wasn't okay while I was going through it. I demanded and I hoped for better. Mm -hmm. But the truth is that they went through some horrible things themselves and That's the case for so many people, right? And that's, yeah. you know, that's the issue. Like my parents were, that's this whole cycle of abuse type thing. And my parents were abused as children and they went on to uh, perpetuate the cycle. Who knows yes. how far back it went? I mean, my, I don't know if my grandparents were abused, you know what I'm saying? So it was a cyclical thing. Uh, they didn't break the cycle. There were siblings of mine that actually did break the cycle and did not abuse their children, which is wonderful. Um, I didn't have children because I couldn't have children, but if I would have had children, I would, I would have loved them dearly and taken really good care of them because that's, that's me. <laughs> um, because it's just wrong to hurt your children and it's wrong to not get them some help. And, right. Right. you know, knowing, I, mean, I, I just think that's just the kind of person I am. But you're right. I mean, so many people are struggling. And I know like right now, you know, there could be parents listening to this, people who have children you know, who are struggling and they, they don't want to hurt their children, but somehow things, you know, are just escalating, things are out of control. And, you know, you don't, 
you can get help as a parent. You don't have to allow to, to uh, you know, to have that kind of pressure on yourself. You can get help, right? There are yes, agents that can step in and help you. You know, if you're abusing your children, you can get help so you can stop abusing your children yep. and get your children some help, right? Because this is the issue. Um, you know, so many people are struggling and it's hard, you know, in, in today's world, especially with what's going on with this COVID-19 thing, really hard to be a parent right now, I can imagine, with your children, on, you know, in the house 24-7, no space, tempers, you know, are flaring. There's also that whole issue of then more one-on-one, in, you know, adult children contact, which can be a real problem if there's CSA child sexual abuse going on. You know, right. it's really, this is so difficult, all this stuff. But as a parent, you know, you don't have to struggle. You don't have to hurt your children. And you can get yourself some help and you can get your children some help, right? But you have to care enough about yourself and about your children to do something about it. And it, like my parents were, yeah. It takes brave. It takes a brave and strong individual. And you are brave and you are strong. And wanting to seek health a healthy alternative for yourself for your child is going to be a, a journey but it's going to be worth it yeah i guarantee i guarantee it it will be worth it that's right so it's just important for people to know and if, if you're a survivor of abuse and you're listening to this you know survivor of csa child sexual abuse there's hope for you too you don't have to struggle on on your own you know you can reach out even if you have to keep it very a low profile, there's anonymous groups you can join. You can keep your name anonymous. Nobody needs to know who you are. And you can get help. That's what I did in the beginning was I went on to anonymous support groups because I, I I needed help and I wasn't sure what to do about it. I, I just joined some anonymous support group type stuff and it was really helpful. And nobody needed to know who I was or or anything about me other than the fact that I was abused as a child. See? So there's, there are ways you can do that if you need to keep your, you know, keep yourself uh, safe by uh, being anonymous sort of thing. And there's, there's good, all sorts of good resources for people out there, you know, who are struggling. If you're a survivor of abuse, child sexual abuse, you can get help, right? And yes, you, don't have yes. to keep that, you know, you don't have to keep that bottled up inside by yourself anymore. There's so many people out here who are you know, working to um, get awareness out there so that people will realize you don't have to keep that secret anymore. No. And you can get help, right? I know it was very freeing for me to um, to get help. Like when I, at the age of 42, when I finally decided, okay, I'm getting help, you know, I'm, I didn't deserve to be abused as a child and no child does. And, you know, I, I'm suffering on because of the abuse that happened so many years before. And I thought, this is really horrible. And I thought, I'm going to reach out. And I'm going to get some help. And it was so freeing to be able to get that help. You know what I mean? Um, so that I was no longer carrying that burden by myself. It, it, I got to unload it, you know, in this anonymous group with people that understood where I, where I came from. They knew what I had suffered as a child. And they, they knew the pain involved from being sexually abused, you know, so especially by a family member. And they were so helpful. So, so helpful. And sometimes yeah. I worked with therapists and the, maybe the third, first therapist was a man. And I knew that I just wasn't going to reveal to a man what I might reveal to a woman. I knew that. Yeah. 
it was had nothing to do with him. He was he is to this day a terrific you know therapist. Mm -hmm. uh, but I knew I needed a woman therapist. It was in picking and choosing, and then it wasn't the first woman I didn't that I worked with that it was wasn't a magical man and woman <laughs> thing either. I had an, another one and another mm -hmm. one until I found the right fit for me. Someone and there's a click. <laughs> there's just something clicks, and okay. it's. Uh, and then they gave me these little tools and I said, okay, I'm going to put them in my little toolbox and I, and I have tools. Yeah. And, uh, there was, I, I felt dirty. I felt less than a human being. Mm -hmm. I was, a, I I laughed. I joked in school. I, I won, uh, what comedian, comedian of the class or something, class clown, some, so I must have pulled off one of the be best little, you know, <laughs> shows because yeah. everybody else, they thought I was a happy-go-lucky kid, but I was suffering inside. I had real, real deficiencies. Yeah, um, I did too. So to get class clown over a, another girl who I thought was funnier than me, or who I thought was funny and it was just blew my mind that I would get such an honor knowing that if they only knew what I'm going through, how, right. how dare they even give me some, some sort of title like this. But yeah. uh, I don't want anyone to feel ugly. I don't want, want anyone to feel like you're less than a person, you're a whole person. You're as whole as I am, or as whole as the rest of the thing. You've had an incident, you've had or many multiple incidents where something that was out of your control uh, became part of your daily living, and just don't don't stop. Yeah, that's right. Don't stop. Yes. That's right. I mean, I was, you know, just looking at, at, at different materials out there, you know, for people. I was actually looking at something today earlier, and it was like, you know, survivors of abuse are, are the main issue is, the, is just the wounding, you know what I mean? And it was from so long ago um, that we need to get help, right? We're not a bad person because, we, no. because we've been abused. Um, we don't have to look down on ourselves. Others shouldn't see us as any less than any lesser than somebody else. And we just need to learn how to, like you were saying, Maureen, to, we need to, first of all, find some good help, right? Some good therapy, counseling, whatever, group support. That's what I like. Um, and get, get, get going on it, you know what I mean? And get these tools in your toolbox that can help you to move forward in your healing journey so that you don't stay stuck in this shroud of, of silence and despair and you know the, the, the same like I was before I started my healing journey I still had the same feelings that I had you know growing up abused right that's just horrific to keep to keep allowing myself to stay there I'm really glad they finally reached out that's why I'm always you know telling people you know reach out get some help don't suffer on your own some people are like loner types and that's okay nothing wrong with that but it's just as long as you don't if you need help that you realize that you can get help. That's yes. And, and, it, you know, and, and if we could stop labeling people 
um, saying that someone's a drug addict or a pill pusher or a what an alcohol, whatever they, these words are, these are not helpful words for people. That's not who they are. They have a yeah. first and last name. They have made perhaps a middle name as well. They have a birth date. They were, they're, they're the same as you and I, and we have to stop just putting names because we don't know what drove them to, to take that out drink of alcohol or to, 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 to it, abuse medications. Therefore, since you don't know their story, please don't think you do by identifying them with some horrible label. And then, mm -hmm. and then it stops there. It's like, oh, they're just a town druggie. Okay. Mm -hmm. What, what does that even say about the person saying such a thing? Yeah. I think that's, it's just all too common. Right. And that's the well, issue. It, it <laughs> it's is all common. too common. Because for people pain. to just label people, uh, yeah. oh, that's that's a loser, you know, that person's just an idiot or whatever. People are just like that. And yeah, that's but that also gets is. them off the hook. It gets them off the hook to really know that person. Mm -hmm. They don't even say, you know, they don't even say hi to that person, not even a common decency. Hold the door if their hands are full coming out of the grocery store and, <laughs> and they can't even bother to take the time to hold the door for them. I mean, because yeah. it's like, oh, it's that person. And mm -hmm. None yeah. of us are too good for one another. So That's we're right. all in this, this, we're all in this boat together. Let's enjoy That's the right. journey and lift <laughs> each other up, lift each other right. up. I agree. That's awesome, Marie. <laughs> I love that. That's what we need to be doing. Right. And um, supporting each other and helping each other. Really. It's, that's what it's all about. I love your mission. I love what you're doing. And I would, you know, I hope that people will purchase your book. I did put the links in the description, in the YouTube description of the show. I put your book link there. I put your website link there. And, um, you know, how they can get in touch with you. Okay. If they Thank you so much. Right. Yeah. So that's all there. And, um, you know, it's just, I, I, I think this book is very, very important. I'd like to see a lot of professionals get a hold of it. And, you know, hopefully with, with this interview and, and the other interviews that you've been doing, people will really start to see this is a very valuable tool and it's a, a great resource for people. And, and there, we know there are many children who are surviving and who are survivors of child sexual abuse. So not only there, there's a lot of adults like us who have survived child sexual abuse, but now we have each generation coming up that many more children being sexually abused. This is horrific, it's pandemic, it's, it's always been a problem, let's just put it that way, and it needs to stop. But in the meantime, um, this book I'd say is very helpful, it's a great resource for people. Well, thank you very much, Laura. Yeah, thank you. I appreciate you taking the time to come and, and speak with me. I mean, we're friends outside of, <laughs> of all of this. So we're friends in real life, so um, it, not in just the you know YouTube land. But um, it's just, I'm, it's always such a pleasure to be able to spend time with you because I know we're both busy, and you know when we get to come together and, and talk, it's awesome. And um, well, thank you. I appreciate it's an honor to be on your show. It's an honor to have you, and I, this is just wonderful. And I know, like, if anybody actually does, uh, go check out Advocates United for Humanity. Check out our website. Check out our info, and, and you'll see Maureen there. <laughs> because Maureen does a lot of volunteering. 
and she she's always involved in some some of the projects that's going on, especially with Don Shear. And uh, yep. it's just amazing. So we appreciate your help. We also appreciate you very much as a person. I love you dearly, and I thank you for coming on and talking about this. Very very, um, to me, it's a topic that needs to be talked about. And and I'm so glad that you wrote that book, and I'm glad that you're out here doing what you're doing. So, thank you very much. Thank you. And we'll uh, we'll see you around later on. <laughs> you have a great afternoon. Thanks to everybody who's been watching and who's listening. You know, um, share the show, share the information, grab Maureen's book. You can purchase it on Lulu or from her website. There's many ways you can contact her if you need to ask her questions or you have you know, just something you want to to just let her know. You can always contact Maureen Rule, and um, and you know. Share the show. You never know who's been sexually abused or, you know, you never know who might be able to use this book to help a child who's been sexually abused. Share this information. Share Maureen's information. You get this out here, right? Thanks, everybody. And have Thank a wonderful you. day. God bless. God bless. Bye-bye. Hi.